0: I'm Lacey and I'm Kippen we're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story and we're welcoming you to our own little book club this is one page more a podcast
1: so hi how are you Uh,
0: (laughs) great very stressed out about this and also excited
1: I know I got a little like adrenaline blip whenever you logged in it's
0: definitely, I'm like, oh my gosh. Starting a podcast. I just felt like that meme I sent you where it's like, nobody
1: needs another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm almost thinking of it more as like a journal. So of, of a type, you know, it's just for me, just for you. I think it's no big so much, deal. I enjoy talking about all these books anyways. And then I'll go back
0: and like sometimes re-listen to messages that we send each other. Because I'm like, oh, did I express that in the right way? So I think it'll be, it'll be fun to. Keep a little, keep like a little journal.
1: <laughs> no, I agree. Um, so, what's going on with you this week? Um, this week—not that we haven't talked like ten times today already. <laughs> uh,
0: this week was, this past week was just kind of crazy, and mainly this is all weather related. And of course, for anybody that does not know exactly what's happening right now with um, all of this COVID nineteen, we have still been under quarantine up here. I'm in North Carolina. Um, and so, yeah, we've just totally been trapped in our house, like literally trapped in our house, me and both of my two year olds. So, um, other than that, well, we're going to the beach tomorrow and that is like, I feel like my saving grace for this week. So that is pretty much my highlight and that Mm -hmm. encompasses
1: everything. What about you? Jared got home way earlier than I expected. My husband is in PA school and he is in Tallahassee. We live in Florida uh, for the next three weeks. And he was able to come home this weekend. So that was immediately, he walked in the door and I was like, thank you, Lord.
0: <laughs> we a, little a, here.
1: a fervent prayer, I can assure you. Um, anyway, so that was so great having him home. And then life has been completely insane lately. So we're trying to figure out how to shove a bunch of tasks in the next three days he does have Memorial Day off so that'll be nice
0: oh cool yeah this three day weekend feels so exciting somebody shared about how it basically like didn't feel like a holiday for them I'm like I'm so grateful that for me it does it feels like I don't know three days just seems to just like stretch on and on maybe not
1: but for now (laughs) no it's awesome when your spouse does not have to work or be away all right. So today we're talking about Circe. And actually, I was thinking about this. Lacey read, and just to set it up, Lacey and I are sister-in-laws. So we talk all the time. We're also very good friends, which is a huge blessing. Um, and we both read Circe and I read it in print and she listened to the audiobook. So I am going to butcher every single name. I looked up a few of them as I was reading to see what they were, like the more ridiculous ones. But I almost want you to let me say the name before you correct me. <laughs> well, I <laughs> just just see. It, I think this is like
0: going to be such an interesting dynamic because there were so many similar names in this book, especially uh-huh. her siblings. I feel like there were two of them that were kind of like described as twins. And that their names sounded so identical. And I, I totally can't remember the brother's name at all. But like, you know, it's so extravagant, like Grecian, these extravagant big. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. I tried to, when I took my notes, I saved them down as uh, how they were pronounced. So hopefully that will
1: salvage a little bit of this. We'll see. Smarty pants. Okay. So from the top, a quick overview. Circe is the story of Circe the nymph from Greek mythology. Uh, She was first, well, I guess she wasn't first in the Odyssey. She's probably in Greek mythology. Other than that, I'm not sure, actually. But um, she is the nymph that lived alone on an island. She's a sorceress, and she turns men sailors into pigs uh and then she also has a love affair with Odysseus in the book and kind of delays him on his journey home to Ithaca and the book itself starts from the beginning of her of her life and then goes through her entire life and well not her entire life but a good bit of it and it's it's modern um it's feminist it's captivating it was a really good read
0: yeah I agree and, and I figured we maybe should add uh the author of Cersei was Madeline uh well I just had it look Miller Miller yes yeah. I mean I don't know if there's other Circe books but I mean just just <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> um yeah this book was really interesting so I had to think I read I, I think we read parts of the Iliad which I feel like she definitely made an appearance there. If not, I for sure watched, maybe it was it the Odyssey, the actual movie whenever I was a kid um, or some sort of, so like I remember bits and pieces and certain
1: characters, but this is where people are going to tear us apart if they ever even (laughs) listen to this, because I get the Iliad and the odyssey completely full i I, one of them's homer uh, and the other one is odysseus and i have no idea i'm like odysseus sounds like odyssey i have no idea
0: right point and this is you're right people are gonna be like wow these gals are no pros and they would yes. be correct i mean it's these literally not dumb
1: dumbs <laughs> <laughs> so one of those one of those books <laughs> old as time uh yeah Real quick, did you ever have a Greek mythology phase as a child? Because I certainly did. I mean, not as hardcore as like my dog breed phase, where I would check out books from the library and read about various dog breeds. But um I did go through a little blip of Greek mythology love. I think
0: mine definitely was around like 13, 14 ish. That's whenever mm. we were studying it. I was it was like my ninth grade lit class. And this is what is so bad where I'm like, I literally cannot remember what it was that we learned. So maybe I didn't learn anything, but oh, I know we focus on some of the something. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And then like, I, you know, lit- read some Percy Jackson <laughs> to throw in a little bit of a <laughs> lighthearted read there. But
1: yeah, I've never read those books, but I'm sure that I would love them in my YA loving heart. Um So, before we go any further, obviously, this is going to have lots of spoilers if you haven't read the book. But we did enjoy this book. What would you get it? How many stars would you Mm. give this book out of five? Out of
0: five, I think I would probably give it at least a solid four.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was a four for me. I think there were
0: probably some of the parts that I like best is that it was really interesting how... um, Uh, Madeline Miller really wrote about the gods and specifically like whenever you watch the I'm trying so hard I'm pretty sure it was the Odyssey that I watched I'm going to have to look this up now but whenever you watch them like and you kind of see like yeah the gods really do play favorites and all these things but she really straight up writes how like wow they truly are these like narcissistic immortal beings that really don't care at all about these little peons except for the fact that they want these mortals to worship them so I really liked how, like, they, she turned Cersei into this, like, really captivating, like, she was, she went against yeah. the mold. So I, I really, I don't know, I guess that was, like, one of my favorite parts. But also it was, maybe for some people it would be considered slow, where it just wasn't, mm-hmm. maybe, it just wouldn't be a page turner for everybody. That's how I feel.
1: So I agree with everything you said. And To add, I wonder if I would have felt differently if I hadn't just gotten done with a book that I was so captivated with, and we won't talk about it (laughs) right now, maybe on another episode, but you and I had both read a book that we were just like fawning over and talked about way too long and way too in depth, probably. And I was obsessed with it and I read it so fast and then I read this and it was so well written. The story is captivating, and I loved reading it, but it didn't have that like fire little piece for me um i'd heard I actually heard this book recommendation from brene Brown's podcast, and she recommended the audiobook and said that she like couldn't stop listening to it, so I do kind of want to listen to the audiobook and see the differences. Um, but yeah four out of five okay let's get into the good stuff now let's spoil it on up all right uh and it's,
0: you know it's something you mentioned about the audiobook because my very first note is insanely therapeutic audiobook narrator
1: <laughs> <It> was- <laughs> yeah Brene Brown said that she like mm-hmm. sought out that narrator after this like she was obsessed oh she was
0: like this phenomenal like British woman with like a very like nice smooth soothing yeah I could listen to anything she reads pretty much she just had a Phenomenal voice for it.
1: Does she have an older voice or a younger voice or like in mm-hmm. the middle? Well, I'd say younger. Yeah, and okay. She, and
0: I, I looked up her picture, and she was. A bit, I mean, she seemed maybe like around our age, or maybe a, a hair older. Gotcha. So, okay, um, I'm trying to think. I took so many notes, so I will try to just go through. So one of the first things I wrote about was, and, and just like what we're talking about, how there are so many elements to greek mythology there's so many gods there's the olympians there's the titans there's all of their different family dynamics and what i really appreciated is probably first i think the book was about 13 hours total the first hour was really her kind of um using the story to kind of weave in the different um the different relationships between the people so it was super helpful to me because i couldn't remember I, I believe um cersei's father was helios who was a titan who was, um, who would bring forth the sun each day and the the sunrise, and just totally an element that I had totally forgotten about, and then kind of compared um, the different little yeah, gods versus, I don't know, and all their different little elements. So that was something that I really appreciated as someone that hadn't read anything about it in years.
1: It was really interesting to me. I felt like. She kind of implied that okay, so we know that Cersei's mom like hates her and thinks she's useless because as we find out later, she has the voice of a mortal and her dad, you know, gave her a blessing but like didn't give any prophecy around her. Um, so her mom was like, Okay, you're pointless. Um also her ugly did, yellow eyes. Right. Like she wasn't as beautiful as the other nymphs or whatever. I just it almost seemed in the beginning that, like, oh, I'm getting, like, a very weird sound. Did you just see? It? <laughs> uh,
0: no, but it's not like you're. <laughs> <I can't laughs> see it. Uh,
1: it. It seemed like Helios actually did prefer her a little bit because, like, he took her to see his cows and let he, her sit his feet and things like that. But maybe that was just the only kind of attention she ever got. And so it seemed more significant. And I don't think his other kids that made it sound like none of them ever doted upon
0: him. Or they, they didn't even try to have that relationship. I originally thought they had a good relationship until uh, it got to the point where she was ca- or exiled. And then suddenly he had all of these terrible things to say about his child that... You know, hung on to his every word and like felt so deep. You know that felt he was this special father, and suddenly mm-hmm. like threw the wolves. That was uh, one of the most interesting points to me was how it kept talking about just basically how cruel they all were to one another and like even you know these fam- familial ties they felt nothing. You know, in the book it made me so sad. Literally on the, her birth date, the day she was born how the, the mama starts talking about, like, oh, we'll have another one. Let's go make another child right now. She's like
1: Oh, my gosh! <laughs> oh, no. And oh, whenever I think of Greek stories, it's like they're all Greek yeah. tragedies for a reason. And to me, the story was totally, like, a Greek tragedy. Kind of it had, like, a more uplifting ending. But her whole life is just, like, this slog of terrible things. Um... The story with Glaucos. Is that how you say his name? Uh, I wrote down. Yeah. Glaucos. Gla- <laughs> is how she.
0: pronounced
1: Glaucos. Glaucos. Okay. Somewhere around there. there. Glaucos. <laughs> <Kals. laughs> I'm never going to remember that. Anyway. With him. It was like so typical. And it made me. It was like any teenager. I guess. Because. Even before. She turned him into a god. You could tell. That he did not give two flying flips about her and it was like very clear because he's like oh why should I hang out with you I'm not catching any fish and my dad says like I shouldn't be <laughs> hanging out with you and she's a flipping goddess like
0: <laughs> it is
1: crazy oh, okay. but this
0: one special person takes an interest in you so that was the first thing I wrote down so uh, so Glockhouse for anybody well I don't know should we I guess give a recap and say like you know this was just a man basically that a mortal who she kind of I don't know and, yeah, so and who does point. turn
1: up in in greek mythology by yes, the way i went and <laughs> had to do a little research
0: but I never heard yeah. of him and yeah and the myth was that he was turned into a uh or mortal turned into a god so yeah according to the book it was cersei that did it but that yeah that was my first note on him was his mortal and immortal arrogance just how you know as a mortal he totally talks about his dad like oh Uh, I have to, I can never see you again. And I think maybe he thought he was bruised or his dad had um, abused him in some way, physically. And then Mm -hmm. he's just going to up and leave her. And then, of course, she, because she cares about him, she goes and takes uh, takes it into her own hands and helps him out. But then also, as he becomes this immortal god, immediately, you know, she's hearing these wedding bells and she's got this whole, you know, vision in her mind of the two of them in love and the first thing he does is fall for a more beautiful nymph even though she has just turned him into a god and he's worshiped mm-hmm. and her family loves him
1: i just i, I can't stand him
0: <laughs> literally the-
1: it's it's so petty and so sad and it's weird to me because what do you think about okay so she gives him like the moly that's what she ends up calling them i guess the little flowers that are from like god's blood and they're supposed to turn you into like your true self and so then she gets um she gives them to the nymph that he wants to marry skyla (laughs) and she turns into this horrendous monster but then later is it aetis or is it her Um, Hermes that says like are you sure that it was that or is that what you wanted them to be and I think that's a question throughout in the book because at the very end she's like faced with that same transformation I don't know what do you think I actually think that she like that's what they I guess it does go both ways because it's not like being a god like you get all these special privileges but it did just turn him into even a, a bigger jerk than ever. And it did turn Skyla into, like, a hideous monster when she was terrible already. So, that's I don't
0: that's know. Interesting.
1: What do you all think? Of
0: the, uh, all of the gods, especially, you know, they're constantly written about how beautiful and fascinating and, and, like, all these, like, physical traits that are just, you know, insane. And you're right. They all have the worst personalities. I, mm, So Cersei was insanely jealous, but she was never, like, a wicked person. I think, and it kind of, I I think, goes into detail a little bit. That's, like, the first, like, kind of time that she, like, so her family were constantly doing wicked things to one another and putting each other down, and she never really fell into that. That was kind of, like, her first time really experiencing almost that kind of, like, rage and grief. I, I don't really see her... Purposely trying to turn her in that one thing, she spent so much of the book grieving over what she had done. Feel like that was just yeah. like her natural self. Still, it, I mean, it never gave her any like, like specifically, I think there was a time where um, they had been, her and Glockhouse had been maybe arranged this marriage, or you know, they had been talking about it. And it said that, <laughs> you know, Cersei is constantly written about in this book where she's so naive and she doesn't really. Like, she's just not really like them in the sense that she doesn't think the worst of people. And finally, Scylla has to go out of her way to specifically say, like, hey, did you know we're together? Kind of.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: I think she was just
1: terrible. Okay. Scylla. Is that how you say her name? I
0: just was thinking. They (laughs) said, or the girl said Scylla, but you have to think this gal's British. So, you know, that British to America so. I
1: mean. Um, I don't know.
0: Scylla,
1: Skyla, (laughs) Um. Well, that gets me thinking of how time is when you're immortal. I mean, she's like hundreds and hundreds of years old. And also, it's really interesting to me that when Glaucus thinks that she's his age, he's (laughs) so freaked out whenever she, you know, says something about like meeting Prometheus or whatever. Um, and which is again, petty, like she looks young, like she acts young and time, I think maybe that's why the guilt is so heavy because time is so different for her. Like it just doesn't pass in the same way. And it's almost like, and like, obviously later when she turns her into this horrible beast who then ends up killing like so many sailors and ruining lives I I almost feel like for a god or a goddess it can be thousands of years ago and it can feel like it was like it just happened because time is so fluid for them. Oh, totally. I think so it it just never goes away. Like you they say time heals all wounds because you literally just get physical distance from it, but when there's no end of time, then there is no distance. There's nothing. It's just like Almost, like, everything... That that was the other thing. You said it was slow, and it is a little slow, which is so interesting because her life is so long, and there's these huge moments that punctuate it, but you're like, I just felt like there should be maybe one or two more stories there. Right. No,
0: I, I agree. It hurt. And that's what's really interesting. All the other characters, I probably... I feel like if they had taken another character and really wrote a book about it, you probably would, because they had so many highs and lows. Where she, she just mm-hmm. never had that, like that just kind of pure mainstream that, that you know that would kind of call like that's why Scylla changing was this big huge moment in her life and like, and I I was trying to mm-hmm. think was this whenever she she went and told her father about it and then that's what led her being exiled right is that they went forth to Zeus and they kind of found out that all of um, her and um, her three siblings yeah. they all kind of had these uh sorcery powers but you know but she did it just because she felt such like grief and she was like you know i'm ready for my punishment.
1: yeah i think she was just so sick of it they were at like a banquet or something and i think Celine or whoever the moon goddess is was talking about it and how disgusting she was now and how her change happened And she was just, like, fed up. And so she copped to it. And it was, like, this little bold streak where you could tell. I think Cersei kind of hates that about herself, that she actually does want their attention, even though she thinks they're horrible. Like, she craves it, because that's all she has. She kind of wants
0: that to fit in. There's no other. That makes sense. And and that kind of builds off this point that I had written down so Um, As soon as they found out about this, they took it to Zeus. Uh, They didn't want to start this, like, Titan versus um, Olympian War. And Cersei, you know, is told that she's being exiled by herself on this island. And it really was so interesting to me that she really took it to heart. I mean, it talks about for a while, just like she seems so devastated. And I was genuinely surprised that it was written that way. Because she spent mm-hmm. so much of her life alone, and I actually wrote this quote down where she said, no one would come for me. I had been alone my whole life. I.E.T.s and Glockhouse were only pauses in the long stretch of my solitude. So I thought that was really fascinating that even though she recognized that, like, she, like you're saying, she still craved being around these people, even if she didn't really care for them. It's kind of like, well, at least they're better than
1: being, you know, by myself alone. So. And it took her a long, long, long time to, like... I mean, she went through so many phases of who she was to find out who she wanted to be and, like, to be comfortable with that. I think it's interesting. Like, the most interesting parts of the book are when she gets on the island. Oh, yeah. Like, that, for me, that's when the story really picked up and I was like, okay, this ah, is really was, good. That's like, like, a um, of... <laughs>
0: Learning about the gods mm-hmm. and whatnot. And learning her personality. And we
1: really sort of jumped out. Yeah. Um, what else did I want to talk to you about? I'm trying to think of, like, the high points. Let's see. Um, what about her relationship with Daedalus? I thought that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Daedalus made me sad because it came so early in the book. And what we know about her is that she had... A relationship with Odysseus. But Daedalus was such a better man and also just like a better match for her. And not to like skip ahead, but I almost feel like a better match for her than even
0: um, Fella, uh,
1: whatever, uh, however you say his name. Tella. Uh, hold on. Uh, her son is Telegonus, yeah. right? Or Telegonus, or, or whatever. Tella. Uh, hold on, I wrote it down. Telemachus. Telemachus. Telem- Telemachus. So I felt like he was probably a better fit than Telemachus. Oh, and so. Telemachus. But why? <laughs> why would she want to? Is it because Daedalus was older? Or was it because da- he already had a child? Was it because he was under her sister's thumb and like right under her? knows and she knew that they could never like have freedom that they you mean why did they have this kind of relationship or what why did she crave him kind of thing or no I'm, I'm wondering because I really felt like of all the men in this book Daedalus seems like the best match for her and the most like I don't know kind of evenly yoked match that's not the person she ultimately wants to change for and like have in her life forever. I think so. But I guess I'm thinking it must be and maybe you disagree and think that um Telechinus or whatever his name is is better, but I guess it's because of Pacife. Like she would have never rest- if his knew that she had any interest in him she probably would have killed him or done something terrible. She would have seduced him herself.
0: Come on. <laughs> like the worst thing. So I, I felt similarly that they were the best match for another. I think it totally had to do with age and specifically temperament. As we get to Odysseus, he was such, he had so many like volatile personalities. Um, mm-hmm. Volatile. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but he just had this like very back and forth. Talked about how he could be so, you know, even killed and then suddenly he could flip on a dime and then he's got this terrible you know, rage about amongst things where Daedalus really seemed to come at things with wisdom um, and when it talks about like his love for his son and of course, everybody knows the story of Daedalus uh, uh-huh. and Icarus uh-huh. and ugh, I don't know, I felt like they were just so could have been grateful. They never really, I guess, formed a relationship like that, but she, you know, it kind of talks it's like kind of yearning and I I think really that was the first time that well, other than Glaucos, I guess. And then it also mentions that she had like would casually see Hermes, the what is Hermes? The messenger god? <laughs>
1: I actually feel like for her hooking up with Hermes was like a total power trip. Or I think it was just sheer lonesomeness. Just, he was
0: right. the only person was visiting
1: her so it was like well why not? Right <laughs> may as well. Oh, they are... And she she like kind of got a kick out of him talking mm-hmm. about how like she smelled like the pigs or whatever. Back like she's the, this grungy family and
0: kind of staying in the loop uh-huh. a little bit so even though she's not there she still was able to kind of
1: you know know bits and pieces about her that people she grew up with and whatnot yeah. okay since we're talking about Daedalus we have to talk about one of the best scenes in the entire book which is Pasiphae's birth of oh, a minotaur well,
0: okay I should say I am seven months pregnant right now and that. <laughs> There are several points in this book that, as a pregnant lady, it really kind of hurt me. That was one of them. Her emergency cesarean.
1: Oh my gosh! It's crazy to me that a goddess would ever need a cesarean. It like the the Greek gods are very human in some ways. Like they can feel pain. Uh, there's a scene earlier where Helios basically like ignites uh, and incinerates <laughs> Cersei, and her like skin is melting off, and she has to like go crawl off and put some salves on her and until she, you know, her crusty crusts heal up. But it, it's just wild to me, and like she's like car, she has like Cersei has to, like carved the belly open because her immortal flesh doesn't want to part and things like that.
0: Uh that was. So whenever it was kind of building up this story, first of all, I was really kind of, uh, I've had a cesarean my last child. I had uh, twins, and so my second was a cesarean. And actually, I had (laughs) a little bit of PTSD here, a little bit of uh, trauma, uh, (laughs) began to feel whenever they started cutting that first cut because I had a, anyways. Anyways, so I was on a little bit of like trauma. And then... Suddenly, whenever it talks about Cersei, sticks her hand in to help, you know, this fetus come on out. And I'm, what her her mangled hand comes out and she's lost a finger oh. or two. I'm like, what on this earth? And she even asked her sister, what is this? And her sister says, I believe, a baby.
1: <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so, I have to say... I felt like I would have been a bit of an Ariadne. Is that how you say your uh, name?
0: The the sister.
1: Oh, I yeah.
0: It
1: was something like
0: Persephae? I don't know. <laughs> I wrote down I think it's
1: Ariadne. Ariadne. I mean, no, I need. I, I couldn't.
0: This that one was. This sure, one and the brother sure. it was really hard because I couldn't see the book. So that
1: was right. Well, Ariadne is Persefe's daughter and she's the one that like kind of has some sympathy for the minotaur and i felt so sad for this like disgusting little creature that is like ripped (laughs) from its mother's womb and put in a bird cage and like locked in a cellar locked in a box and eventually put into what like a i can't even think um I'm thinking of the Gauntlet of Fire.
0: The, yes, the Labyrinth. <laughs> a terrible maze with which uh, it's allowed to eat people on a, what, seasonal basis. No, that yes. was really interesting how it just kind of showed, like, the, the own mother didn't. And I thought, I mean, this is just, like, such, like, a perfect example of these immortal people. She has this baby. She has no love towards the baby, but she won't allow it to be killed. And so, in it, in the book, it kind of talks about... Well, then why even keep it alive? It's because the mother wants right. this fame that will come from birth in a monster. And it's like, wow, like, you know, doesn't care at all about the thing, just rather how it's going to build
1: her up. Oh. Well, and the two of them have this whole conversation about how, like, why did she call Cersei to help her mm-hmm. with the birth? Like, she could have called anybody. Why her? I don't know if I totally understood what she was saying. Like, at the end of it, they were definitely on the same page. That they both thought all the gods and goddesses were trash. And somehow she trusts Cersei more because she's also a witch. But it's like she cannot help but be nasty and horrible to Cersei.
0: I wrote down uh, something kind of similarly about these, like, complexities. Because they definitely... And it's pretty tit for tat. They kind of they despise each other. They, there's no uh-huh. like love lost, but at the same time, Cersei didn't really want to just straight up leave her. But but even more, it wasn't that she. It wasn't really for I guess for the sister. It was more for the sailors that she kind of felt. You know, so she really has this. Um, This streak of just, you know, caring about people. And where the sisters, you know, she's given her all this advice and whatnot. She's constantly, like, she's doing it in a very degrading way. But she actually was saying, like, you know, like, you're being naive. And, you you know, you've kind of got to think out or look out for you. So she was being helpful. But, yeah, totally approaching it in such a uh, (laughs) derogatory way.
1: The frailty of even gods in this book is... Like a theme all the way through. I'm thinking about how over and over again, it's like, well, what are nymphs good for? Mm -hmm. Like, being raped by mortal men, and like, they might have tiny little powers over water or um, earth, but they really have nothing else. Like, they only have their beauty, Um, and yet there's so many of them, and I don't know. It's just really interesting, and then you have these th- four i guess there are of helios's children that do have a little more and it makes them so dangerous and so different um i don't know i i really liked when she started using her witchcraft and how they kind of go into that and describe that i thought it was interesting um the odysseus relationship oh, to wait. me I guess right before that, we need to talk about or just
0: casually mention the rape because that's what brings forth all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, (laughs) what her fact? I, I love that she was turning them into pigs because I'm like that is. You were saying like she'd never been a mean spirited person, so at some point, Cersei is raped by some people that stop at her island which is horrific when you think about like they're looking at this goddess and all they can think of is doing that it's just disgusting just bring a man take care of them feed them right and it, it goes back to like her wanting love and acceptance or whatever from somebody and to like show kindness to people and then she totally flips and she ends up Every single sailor that comes to her, uh, she puts stuff in their drink. And then if they try something, she turns them into pigs. And it's like, eventually, she doesn't even stop. She just, like, automatically does it. And I, again, I don't actually think that's a bad thing. Because I think most of them, like, 99% of them, it even goes through, like, maybe they... Uh, maybe they weren't bad people, but they were still going to try and hurt her for whatever reason. Whether they were forced to do it, whether they watched somebody else do it and did nothing to help stop it, like I think she was right. And I'm like, okay, girl, yes, do this. What was <laughs> get your
0: kids that in. that, that uh, the the mention of the rapes and the nymphs had been said probably about three or four times before hers happened, and so it was really interesting how she yeah. kept acknowledging it how she was disgusted by it. At one point, Hermes makes a joke, and she totally, uh, I forgot to put this to totally. Now that I've said it like three times, I keep identifying that I'm saying it, it's totally <laughs> crazy. But whenever Hermes makes a joke about it, she that's whenever she casts him basically off as a lover and just kind of says, like, okay, you know, we're done. Um, so yeah. I yeah. thought it was really interesting. And then, specifically, whenever it talks about the rape, what was so interesting to me was how she's a sorceress. She, at this point, has kind of mm-hmm. uh, stepped into her power. And at the same time, she, it it almost kind of explains it as if she's just too shocked, where she just can't believe that this is actually happening to her in her life. And it's just like such like a quick moment that it, she's just like, wow. Um So I thought that was really interesting that they wrote it up like that, because this is, you know, yes, she's a nymph, but she's a special one. But at the same time, she's still going through these like, terrible things just as if she was a regular um, beautiful woman so and of course she's got the ability to stop it so she does but I, I thought that was really interesting that they or how how she uh, I guess I mean Madeline Miller or Madeline Miller kind of approached at that point it's kind of like leveling her out to be I don't know almost mortal in that sense Where like she's still going through the, the
1: difficult stuff yeah and Odysseus himself was so kind of disappointing to me because I expected them I I guess I just expected that relationship to be the pinnacle of the book which I'm kind of glad that it wasn't Mm -hmm. because I feel like the way she portrayed Odysseus was spot on to how that kind of person would be like especially when he finally does make it home I I if he really wanted to get home that badly and if he really was this stand up guy and wanted to go back and be the king that he said he did, he wouldn't have waited a year on her island. He would have waited three days, you know, yeah. and and he would have gotten rid of his good for nothing crew long, long ago who, you know, all that stuff is in the Odyssey of all the different things that plagued them. And it was always their fault, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like it was the gods, but it was their fault ninety nine percent of the time. Um, but he was so, he just was such a glory hound, and kind of like this blowhard person. I don't know. It was interesting. And again, I'm like, okay, would you have liked him if you hadn't been alone right. on this island? I don't I know. When it I don't first know. kind of started talking about
0: him, I really, I really liked him. I thought, but he ended up just having such a I don't know his I felt like at first his personality was really written out in this like you know like you said like he's going to be a king he is going to you know he talks Mm -hmm. about his wife in like this loving way and he talks about this little son he's got at home and then like as it just progresses he just really is such a not even negative but it was just like a hardened person and whenever he's telling her specifically like his um exploits and, you know, these how uh, you know, they're he I'm trying to remember who this character was, but he, he had to leave him on an island and he lies to him and just basically all these like dastardly tricks he does. I just yeah. I can't really imagine him and Cersei if she'd had other options. Which I mean I guess she had the whole options of the crew but they're all said to be these like, you know, young, barely twenty year
1: olds or whatnot. I don't know. I did did think it was interesting like so at some point the god starts sending nymphs to her island it's just like you're punished so you're grounded and you have to go to this island with this like witch lady it's very interesting how she treats them because she has no interest in them whatsoever and doesn't want anything to do with them it's only the mortals that Mm -hmm. she's drawn to which I guess makes sense but I don't know. I guess it's hard for me to believe, even in the story, that there wasn't right. one nymph could have who who she wouldn't have, like, struck up some kind of, like, friendship with or something. That, like, that bothered me a little bit. There was just, like, no mention of them. I just really felt at like all. maybe it
0: was because, at this point, she's several hundred years old. She, she had lived for mm-hmm. an undisclosed amount of time with them, and she just, I guess, really lumped them all together as being the same. And it made it sound like even when they were there, they, they didn't really want to be helpful. They didn't like this or have any interest. You're right. There definitely should have been at least one or two that she was somewhat familiar with, but But yeah, that was yeah, you know, immediately passed yeah. them off with her pregnancy, you know? <laughs> Never and, that, back. and maybe
1: I guess you're right, because at that point, it's when she was literally turning every man that stepped through her door. This was like her rage days, sure. right? Like she hated everyone in the world, mortal and God and immortal, and so she was just turning everyone into pigs, didn't want to even look at the nymphs, hated them all, and she was kind of like loving it at the same time, like she was getting her jollies off of it until Odysseus came. um I feel like she should have kept Odysseus's men as pigs. <laughs> He should have had to do more than just like chat with her for one day to get them back. These
0: little men, they were such little teenagers. It was <laughs> oh, and i although I did feel so sorry when that one the day that they were leaving woke up or they woke up and he was dead. Wow, he lived <laughs> on this island. Um, fell off. Okay, the roof. so I think let's let's jump to her pregnancy. which I don't. I don't even think it mentions her pregnancy until Odysseus is sailing away in the boat, and then she talks about how she is suddenly struck with this like morning sickness, like which is a, totally atypical for her um, for nymphs, and how she's going through these right uh, of.
1: <laughs> Am I making this up, or does she have to like give oh, no, herself she a totally C-section? Does. This down. Okay, so there's two c-sections in this book so that's interesting i I, I
0: really i really did connect with Cersei as a mother um in this book this was what i was saying about there's so many points where she especially especially as his youth or as teleconist as a youth she talks about or she goes through these she just does so much and is willing to do anything for her child to keep him safe to keep Mm -hmm. him alive I thought that was really fascinating how, yeah, she performs her own cesarean upon herself by herself
1: on this island. <laughs> Just imagine. I mean, of course, <laughs> in this
0: woman is rich. She's a god, and she can. You know, I can't she, imagine. Uh, right. I guess, sew her own self up, but.
1: Right, where's her army of flipping nymphs? It was this time she was
0: pregnant because she talks about these um, these changes she goes through, and she basically wants that time to be her own special time. Being like a special time, it's like, you know, she, she, I thought it was really very horrible, uh, mortal, or, you know, these experiences she's going through. His first sounds like first couple of years of life it sounds like he's colicky he's terrible she can't get him to like get under control i, I related to a lot of things <laughs> I
1: really was like wow i know i have a three-month-old baby right now and it's she's been my i would say she's been my hardest baby but overall i have really easy babies so it's not saying much like I've never had a colicky baby I've never had a baby that has terrible reflux like Lacey had two babies that were in the NICU like have not had anything close to that but it's just funny how when a child is just screaming its head off how at some point you just want or you do just break down and you're crying too and you you don't like resent them, but it's just so hard when you've done everything you can and it's just and not working and you're so tired and I don't know. She wasn't Yes, she wasn't above that, but she she made it through, I don't know. And then he turned into a sweet a sweet toddler and a sweet little boy which I think <laughs> I've heard that hard baby happy toddler and I've had See, the opposite say, of happy baby hard toddler my, so maybe it's son, true I would say was he was
0: such a stressful baby and I don't know why he just was I don't know he just had such a weird temperament from his sister where now he is my easygoing child and it is Lucille my daughter who is the one that drives me to the brink of insanity most days so I don't know if that seems to be true <laughs> I um had a,
1: what was yeah, really interesting that has to definitely was, been true
0: for me. Um, how suddenly, when she had this son? So her son is not, you know, at this point, he's just a regular mortal. I mean, he's got a goddess in any. Well, it talks about. I guess he has a few special things. Like it says, he'll come into manhood a little bit early, and it said he might be um, maybe beautiful or have maybe a couple extra strength. But anyway, you know, it doesn't his mortality. Right. Right. So He'll be like athletic or whatever. And she said, and so the quote from the book said, I had met the things that God could use against me. And I thought, wow, that's really fascinating where she, at this point, there's nothing, you know, no kind of pain really that would bother her because, you know, like her, her finger gets bit off and then, you know, the next day it grows back where suddenly she's got this like totally tangible thing that they can take and abuse. And then, you know, she's going to feel this kind of like, pain simply because you know she i guess has just never really experienced that before and now suddenly she realizes that it's it's possible
1: i know that she wanted a child so badly and like she loves mortals so i guess it does make sense that she would want to have a mortal child but if i was an immortal i like you could not there's no way I would have had a child with Odysseus, knowing that his life would be a literal bliss yeah. in mine. Like in, like that would just be unbearable Great, but to I me. Think she hated the gods, and you know what I mean. So Hermes, it would almost make she would have it. Never
0: wanted to carry Hermes' child because yeah. he, she had no love towards him. So it's kind of like you right. know, like you said, she loves mortals, and and though it was going to be a short life, and it, I know that thought devastated her. It was like. I guess it's better than shacking up mm-hmm. with some of these
1: sore gods that she can't stand. <laughs> yeah, we're... <laughs> okay, we're almost hitting, we're like 10 minutes till an hour. So let's skip ahead to the fact that, well, I yes. want to we talk should... about the god of How the ocean we, really can, quick. Let's
0: do a quick sum up. Try Athena. again. So Athena, um, at the birth of Telegonus, or maybe whenever he's a couple months old, she starts or about to he keeps having yeah. a lot of experiences it's nearly causing him to die she realizes the god is intervening she finds out it's athena and athena basically offers her the ability to turn over to laconess her son and she'll give a new son with another man and he'll have all these special abilities and of course she's like no don't out crazy uh and then devotes the next several years of her life to say or keeping him as safe as possible she throws all these curse not curses but um uh, charms and whatnot on her island
1: yeah she basically like puts right. a bubble okay. so over her island so that athena that can't
0: touch him kind of being after by god okay
1: sorry so and athena prophesies yeah. that she'd be sorry like you you would like you need this baby dead or else you're gonna be sorry which it's like okay even then like I know that was supposed to maybe be a carrot, but I'm like, yeah, right. Like nothing that they could do. She doesn't care about anybody else except the child. So she's never going to regret that. And then in the end, um, telegonus, whenever he grows up, he wants to leave. He's heard these stories about his father. That was also kind of a diva thing for Cersei to me where she's like (laughs) he never asked about me he never asked about my stories i'm like he's a little boy like yeah i of course if you're and, and i i think a lot of it has to do with she just has i think almost every exciting thing in her life is surrounded by shame and she felt like she was at fault in some way it's like oh there is this exciting story about the Minotaur but yeah. I know that the Minotaur is like eating people eating young boys and girls every year so I don't want to make that a cool story oh I could tell her tell him about that like <laughs> sea monster I created but that haunts me every night so I guess it kind of makes sense but she was a um, little bit of a diva about that like oh, well she yes, doesn't ask me so I'm just going to tell awesome, him about Odysseus totally
0: relatable, where
1: I, I can understand that as a parent where you're like you know
0: hey yeah. like, I take care of you don't want to hear about me like I don't just sit here and, like, wallow <laughs> with know. wolves and lions all day like I had a laugh.
1: <laughs> but this is being a child um,
0: <laughs> so
1: about <laughs> anyway he eventually wants yeah. to leave and go and find his dad and she doesn't want him to leave and she thinks that Athena's going to strike him down as soon probably as he leaves the <laughs> island which she's probably right so, at this point, she walks into the ocean and finds, like, the deepest, darkest pit where the god of the ocean, like, he's something else. So he's not I'm, a titan. He's not a god. It he's said, what?
0: Trygon. It said he was, like, the first or one of the first. It's right. It, it's almost like an elemental there, I will say, I, at first, had no idea what was going on where I'm thinking, like, is this Poseidon? Like, I don't understand. But then it. what well, it's.
1: It's almost like Mother Nature sure is that that himself, kind of but of the like ocean stingray.
0: So I thought, like, okay, like I guess that makes more,
1: yeah, of like a
0: sense once you kind of explain that he he actually cuts his own tail off and gives it to her because she has basically got the right. Um, oh, that's you know what you're right. Well, she I has to I'll... cut it
1: off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the golden like that, it was just
1: haunting <laughs> just her, and they yes um, um would you well, have touched that tail because i would not have i i just like read that and i'm like how can i get it what was that you want to me was,
0: was the deal that he offered so the but, so to be able to uh, cut it off it was i believe was supposed to be yeah a, an eternal sting but then it would have this power. And I'm trying to remember the power of the tail was supposed to be something that would basically. Um, she could use as a weapon for Telegonus to use against anyone that might try to harm him. So it was. I mean it wasn't mm-hmm. necessary. But she felt in her mind that it would be this. You
1: know great. To like salvage him. Right. right but if she, if she took it. She would have excruciating felt pain like, exactly. for the rest of her life. I felt like that which was. Which is such, forever. This is what I
0: mean where I really related to Cersei. And the mother in parts so from I'm like you know you. You would go through some stuff for your children. I really was touched. And I also, I wrote down, this was like so tender to me, where she she turns to Telegonis and she says, you may go. And then like to herself, she starts thinking, did he know how much that cost me? It literally was like
1: like heart-wrenching to me where I'm like,
0: he'll never know.
1: (laughs) I know. Telegonus is a sweet little thing, but he hasn't, he's so clueless. His cluelessness is so perfect, but it's like,
0: so as soon as he leaves, so Odysseus uh, at this point, we've talked about how the stories are written or told about her, uh, how Odysseus's life was portrayed to him. And, in pretty different words from how he actually was. So she really tried to sugarcoat it because mm-hmm. she didn't want him to feel this uh, certain way that he would be wicked or that he would have these, like, um... right, exactly. Like, a really... right, It was
1: like a superhero or something. <laughs> it's like your dad's really not here, to portray it that but way. he's a king and so he's Luke, awesome. As soon as he meets him, Odysseus, not
0: being the same way basically tries to run towards him and kill him because he thinks that he is like an intruder coming to steal their, I believe it was like steal treasure or something or other. Uh, And so through this little struggle, Uh Telegonus actually, or accidentally kind of wields the knife and the father grabs it and the knife has got Trigons. I guess it's the blood from the tail or maybe it's just kind of associated with the tail somehow. Anyways, and he ends up, you know, killing himself. So on accident with Telegonus right there. And his other son in the horizon watching. So, oh, yeah.
1: What did you think? So, just to try and like wrap this up. So the the big Mm -hmm. chunk of the end is about Penelope, Odysseus's um, wife, (laughs) and her son coming to the island, and their interactions, and then eventually. Um. Uh, what's her face? Cersei. <laughs> Cersei ends up, you know, asking for her wow. freedom from her father because she kind of has this moment where she's like, "It's been long enough. Like, I want to see the world or whatever. Um, and I want to do a few things." And um. A- anyway, <clears throat> I don't know. There was how, um, there was how much do you want to talk about this? Okay, yeah. Like, okay.
0: So I thought it was—it's a lot. Uh, as there, as soon as they arrived, they talk talk. You know, immediately she's got her guard up, and she really finds out that Penelope and um, oh, man, I said his name earlier, and I can't remember. to Telemachus. That's not. Tell, hold on. Telemachus.
1: Tel- mm-hmm. tel- mm-hmm. tel- it- tel- oh, tel- Anybody
0: listening to this, you're gonna know <laughs> that <we're- laughs> two dadgum doofuses. Tele Telemachus. Tel- Telemachus, I think it's yes, that. Te- right. I need to write down that e. Telemachus. So anyways, how they really Telemachus. are not there to do any harm to him. I thought it was, um, I like the story arc of them. I thought it was really interesting, and not really in a great way, how Cersei pursues a uh, physical relationship with this man, and by the end <laughs> of the book, they've got two children. And maybe it wouldn't have been <laughs> as odd if she <laughs> hadn't have fathered a child with his father, I understand, like, with the gods and, you know, whatnot, like, it seems mm-hmm. like they're having kids with their own kids, and it's, you know, that they don't really see family
1: the same way, but that was really bizarre to me. Well, I don't know if this is true or not, but I was just, like, flipping through something, and it made it sound like, in the actual legend, when Telegonus brings them back to the island, no, he ends up marrying think. Penelope, and then it's actually, yes, and then it's actually their son, who goes it, to Italy and, like, inherits uh, all that sure. stuff from an, from <laughs> Athena. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I, I, I'm I like, okay, girl, I'm Madeline, didn't thank you for that. Uh, leaving that little you know, part of the story out. I mean,
0: I guess I can believe it because of of how <laughs> um, everything else is written. Yeah. It's basically, like, just such insane fantasy. Like, you know, you really have to sit here and make mm-hmm. yourself stretch and think to imagine this to be mm-hmm. real.
1: <laughs> right. Well, what did you the think sun. of his personality? The, the he's sun, so interesting. Yeah, I liked him. Uh, well, Telegonus is more like he, basic to me. He like seems a, like he wanted, he wanted a heroic life and he was like a little puppy. Yeah. But age. sweet. Yeah. But, and, well, and he was raised by Cersei, right? So he's got to right. have some kind of respect for everything that odysseus did not like he doesn't quite have like he wants adventure but i don't know that he like wants the glory part right. of it i don't think he cares about he's just, that he just oscillated wants the adventure part. Life, So
0: anything sounds fun um, versus odysseus who yeah. was raised as king and needed this like constant um constant i
1: don't know reassurance that he's the, yeah
0: that he's the best
1: <laughs> um, praise yeah <laughs> Well, but Telemachus, he just seemed kind of, like, boring and brooding to me, and I didn't really start liking him Uh, until he turned down Athena, who Athena eventually does visit and, like, gives him the opportunity to inherit all this, his father's glory, because Athena loved Odysseus and now wants to, you know, load that onto Telemachus, and he is like, no, I want a regular life. I'm good. Thanks. I saw that. How destroyed my dad. And I'm like, okay, I like
0: you. There probably should have been more character development thrown into him because he was compared to so. there's so many Mm -hmm. huge or people with big personalities and his was very much baseline, you know, lower than Daedalus who uh, yeah, yeah, so I agree. Mm -hmm. I could see them being a good match for one another but at the same time, it wasn't an exciting match kind of thing it was just kind of like okay like they're fine like i'm not going to be a doctor right stand and and like live and breathe for them to be together but they didn't matter me you know
1: well and everyone yeah. in this book is so serious like i wish that he had had a little like and he was so strong and was, serious he just, i'm he like okay a right <laughs> Yeah. I just wish that there had been some kind of like little playfulness or something. He just seemed like kind of a I, what I will say, and like, maybe a
0: little this bit. is like my last thought <laughs> on everything. We just hit the hour. Um I thought for it was really interesting. This was like wrapped up at the very end. So uh it talks about like her destruction and basically her redemption, which I thought was really kind of like what the whole, kind of like the whole thing of the book, it's you know, it, it, it had a good arc where the book had, like, you know, going through these, like, hardships and things and learning things. And then at the very end, like, you kind of feel like, okay, like, Cersei eventually did. She's able to overcome some of, like, the traumatic things that she experienced. She was able to have her own family and be happy with that family. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't just, like, with Talaginus where she raised him on her own. Callimachus lived there with her, talked about their two daughters and Penelope uh, being her little midwife. And, like, you know, she finally had built this family that she wanted.
1: <laughs> well, in the book, though, it says that that's the vision that she had oh. for her future. But she didn't know mm. if that actually happened. Because at the very end, it's like, oh, and that, then I drank you know what? it. Like, I, I she say, drank the, the potion. The last 20
0: minutes of this book, <laughs> I listened to at, like, 1 a.m., in like a (laughs) semi-sleep
1: um so (laughs) I think you're probably right because we know throughout the book she has a couple of different like little visions that actually do come true this one was way more uh in depth so a lot of it is probably wishful thinking on her part but I do think that she probably turned mortal and she did get with him and she did have her daughters or whatever i think yeah, that's true that's, i think that's that totally, to me clocks what as was what would wanting, have happened where it was
0: very much like she didn't care about this like immortality especially with like the people that she had to live with. right it was like she really wanted something more she had you know it, it kept talking about like prometheus she did at the very beginning of the book she did this one small kindness towards him and she kept leaning mm-hmm. on that throughout her whole life be like you know well at least I did that yeah prove to myself that I'm kind and that I'm not like them I'm different so yeah
1: it's interesting though um (laughs) god oh man I had a thought now it's just like slipped out of my brain but oh my gosh (laughs) well I don't know I forget (laughs) Let me cut that later. But something about with her daughter, vision she, with of the, the daughter, future. With Penelope. I,
0: I don't know. The Penelope with a midwife. I'm like, wow. Imagine Penelope, who is her ex-lover's um, <laughs> wife that lives on her island. Who she's now sleeping with her son and
1: giving birth to her grandchildren. I'm like, what? Penelope really doesn't seem to mind about yeah, any of that. I agree with that. She, that was a weird part. Some. I was like... I guess that might be some kind of. uh, I would say it's cultural, but then you have other characters throughout the book that are so right. jealous of other people having different lovers and cheating on in, them in or stepping and out maybe she or whatever. Didn't care about
0: Odysseus, at least, maybe say like, okay, well, you're with my husband, so don't be with my son. You know, I mean, there's there's a couple different angles she could have took here, right? <laughs> that she'd have been justified in, but. Yeah, A mm-hmm. um, lot of interesting characters in the book. I really did enjoy Thursday. I thought it was
1: pretty well written. Oh, yeah. yes. oh, I remembered what I was going to say. <laughs> <I'm gonna> say <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. I was going to say for people who really thrive off of super happy, I put that in air quotes, endings, and like put a little bow oh, on yeah. it, they'll love I'm the, the i of it. this book. I enjoyed it. Um, I was actually shocked that she was so plain in her language of what you can well, kind of assume happened hmm. because of the vision.
0: I thought I enjoyed it was always like a happy ending.
1: It was almost but it was almost I, a little I, too like I, pat for me.
0: If she would have been with a different man, I, I could have accepted it easier. <laughs> it was just the fact that it was Odysseus' son, and she knew about him. You know, yeah, and she knew personal relationships. Yeah, yeah. You know. But I mean, it goes back to being like
1: these Greek stories where it's just kind of like, okay, like, well, sure. I guess. Yeah, like, it's her, it is her son's <laughs> <Exactly>. brother. <laughs> oh. uh. It's also interesting to me, that's whole time in this book, they give maybe like two seconds to describe what Cersei is yep. supposed to look like. You know that she has the bright yellow eyes of kind of like her father's, but even her father's <laughs> like, uh, no, they're not like my eyes. They're like some, my eyes. She's but described as sort
0: of beautiful, um, right? Because she's an Not like, not especially beautiful, but.
1: I, I think she is She is beautiful in the Odyssey, I'm pretty sure. But she's supposed to be like luminous and beautiful, and she has like this these long, like luscious braided segment, hair. Because
0: they haven't seen a woman in like. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, beauty. she's
1: a nymph. There's no way, but I think it just speaks to like out of the gods, like even the right, most playful god world. is going to be beautiful. Yeah, it doesn't get <laughs> head, though. But yes, last um, last thoughts I, on Cersei. I enjoyed
0: Cersei. I really it to me the once it kind of hit like you said hit the island um got to Daedalus and kind of really began to explain more about her past and like you know I guess kind of delve through that and then go into like all of her like actual relationships definitely became more interesting that's how to say that I enjoyed it from that point on yeah okay
1: read Cersei it was good I think this would have been a, a really oh, yeah. good pick. Oh yeah, and those you know what? Even and this is from
0: an LDS perspective. Kippin and I are both uh, active members. Did not have anything over the top. I felt, which is hard to find these days. So, yeah, even on the uh, explicit uh-huh. radar, looking pretty
1: good. And we've talked about this, but they are making an HBO series about Cersei. And I think we're both dreading it a little bit. Not because I think it will make an amazing miniseries. I just wish it was going to be on, like, Netflix or something. Because I do think they're going to go over the top with, like, yeah. Just, like, I don't know. And I'm not even a, a big prude when it comes to things... Oh, in entertainment but when like things like are just too gratuitous like this is what's going to get me if they make a cersei where people are like no. saying that no, word every agree. five seconds i'm gonna be pissed like you know what i mean because it's just not true to the that spirit exactly of the book like this is not game we'll of keep thrones it true to the
0: book we can enjoy it for what it is so yeah maybe-
1: Right, and obviously, yeah, she has relationships, so... but the bulk of this story <laughs> is her alone, like uh, literally as grinding the grinding well, herbs we'll on a rock. A star, I so, just imagine this like,
0: beautiful barefoot woman just <laughs>
1: right. yeah, amongst her wolves. Uh, oh. Yes, I'm interested to see who they pick yeah. to play Cersei. I actually think there's like, some really good opportunities for like. Multicultural casting in the gods and goddesses, and like interesting—I um I don't know. I, I, I actually think that we could get more plot development and like, like Telemachus more as a, as a person yes, in I, a show no, than even exactly. in the book because they'll be able to. I think that would actually go a long way because I feel he like was, we're going to lose. Maybe he was a little one-dimensional. For like me.
0: I- it's going to be hard to go to do Cersei, mm-hmm. for instance. That's going to be hard to portray. Where you're right, these kind of other, kind of like, lowlier, not as great characters are going to be able to redeem them a good, good bit. But hopefully it'll stay, stay level.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be good. We'll see. We'll report back <laughs> whenever it comes out. If yeah. ever, maybe they'll never hey, shoot it because so. COVID 19 will have us man. trapped forever. <laughs> Can't take it any longer. <laughs> All right, <laughs> thanks for listening. Anyone we out there it that through made our it. first sixty-nine oh, minutes? I'm of <laughs> we did, we did pretty good, I think. <laughs> we did it. Okay, I've been All sitting right, in well, my car for an hour. To I gotta.